John chapter 19, verse 5. If we can get that up quickly. John chapter 19, verse 5. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, all significant things. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. And this morning I want to teach on that. Behold the man. I didn't give you guys the scripture, but 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 says that there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus is ascended and he's still a man. You'll still see the scars, you still see everything. So this morning we're gonna deal with behold the man. So if we wanna know what this man looked like, we need to understand something of his life, but we also need to understand something of his death. And this morning I want us to go to a portion of scripture that I really, really like, and I wanna kind of unpack it. There's so much, and I would hope that each one of you go home and study this portion of Scripture a little bit further. I'll give you some pointers on it and some background on it. I wish I could delve into every single Scripture in it. But this morning, turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 52 and chapter 53. We will look at that. We'll start with Isaiah chapter 52. And may I suggest this morning that you don't read your Bible with chapter and verses. The Bible was never written like that. And also the portions that we see. So Isaiah 53 doesn't really start with Isaiah 53. It really starts with Isaiah 52 already, verse 13. Okay, so you, we need to read it in, in, in chunks because there is something that we'll talk about. It's called the, this is the fourth servant song. And I'll explain that just now. So there's four servant songs that are basically sung in a prophetic way in the book of Isaiah. 700 years before Jesus came, Isaiah prophesied that. We don't see much of the, the death of Jesus and, the, and, and even in the Gospels, and I think so often we just go to the Gospels if we wanna understand the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, but there's not a lot of uh, uh, um, like details so we add a lot of details sometimes. And I don't think, I'll be honest with you, and I, I wanna agree with some of the big theologians out there, we don't understand the suffering of Jesus. I don't think we will ever understand what Jesus went through for us. I don't think so. I don't think we will understand. And, and, and he is called the suffering servant, and this is the fourth servant song. So let's start. Behold my servant shall act wisely. He shall be lifted, be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. You see, a servant usually needs to go down, but immediately God is already exalting him. He's exalting him as the servants. And as many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. This is what happened on the cross. This is what he looked like on the cross. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them, they see. And that which they have not heard, they understand. Next verse, Isaiah 53, we'll start there. Who has believed what they 
heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that, was, that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by, man, by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as far and, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of many people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Father, of the Lord to crush him. And he put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for sin. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be acquainted righteous. And he shall account it righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many and he shall divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and make intercession for the transgressors. Beautiful portion of scripture. Beautiful portion that is explaining the death of Jesus. If you understand something about what John saw, in John chapter one, I think John chapter one, verse 29, he says this, do we have that scripture? John 1, 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, behold, the lamb of God who takes the sin away the sin of the world. So he is showing us a servant. He is showing us something. And this morning, I wanna just quickly look at some of these things and this is the fourth servant song that Isaiah describes. It's, it's describing the service, the suffering, and the exaltation of Jesus the Messiah. In Acts chapter 3, 13, this is what Peter calls him, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom they, you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he had decided to release him. He's called a servant. He's a servant there. Glorified his servant, Jesus. Peter is preaching. He's in the book of Acts. He's preaching on that day. And he says, the servant, Jesus. And I want us to look at that. It's a very significant day because Jesus came to serve. 
And through that, the Father started serving Him and, 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 and ministered and allowed the glory to be given Him. And He exalted Him through that service. Peter describes his description of Jesus as a servant is accurate in three ways, and four ways actually, at least four ways. In John chapter four, verse 34, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. He did it. And in, verse, in chapter six, verse 38, he says this in John, same, same book, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So the first thing is, Jesus always did the will of the Father. As a servant, he always did the will of the Father. He said, not my will, but yours be done, God. The next thing we see in John chapter five, verse 30, we see this. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of one who sent me. The second, he never sought to please himself, but always to please the Father. That's what a servant does. Always pleasing the Father. The third thing, Jesus finished the work that God has sent him to do. John 17, 4. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Imagine Jesus never died. Imagine never went to the cross because he could have rescued himself. He could have called upon angels to come and rescue him. But yet he said, Lord, I wish this cup could pass me. I know this is gonna be lots of anguish. Jesus knew the scripture, he is the scripture. So he knew the stuff that was gonna happen. The stuff that we just read, he knew all of that. It was gonna happen to him. He knew Psalm 22. He knew all the things that was gonna happen to him. He was gonna be crushed. It was gonna please the Father to crush him and pour out his anger. The anger that you and I should have had, it pleased him. It pleased the Father to pour it out on him because he is the lamb of sacrifice. The fourth thing is, John 13, verse 31. John 13, 31 says this, when he had gone out, Jesus says, now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him. Jesus always sought to glorify the Father. As a servant, he always sought to glorify the Father. Lift him up. We also see it in John chapter 17, 4. Glorified you enough having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Glorified you. you. See, additionally, Peter's reference to Jesus as the servant of God would have brought to the minds of his Jewish hearers. I mean, this is to a Jewish group of people in, in the book of Acts. The passage that Isaiah described the Messiah, the servant of the Lord. And here is the other four songs that we see. The first one is found in Isaiah 42, verse one to four. We see, behold my servant, it starts like that again. Whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights, have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nation. So you must imagine, just put yourself in the shoes of any Jew at any time reading this portion of scripture. Now I'm gonna tell you right now, that Jews are not allowed, certain Jews, Orthodox Jews are not allowed to read this anymore. 
unless they explain and say, but all of this was written about Israel. In actual fact, I can refute all of that. I don't have time right now why it's not Israel, but it is pointing to the Messiah. So many of them come to Jesus because of these four servant songs that they continuously read. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Verse four. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. This is the first song which spelt really out the ministry of the first coming of Jesus. In other words, his ministry as a servant. The second passage is found in Isaiah 49, verse 1 to 13. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hit me. He made me a polished arrow in his quiver. He hit me away. And he said to me, you are my servant Israel in whom I will be glorified. You see, that's what they wanna do. That's what they use. And they say, that's, it's Israel. It's not Jesus, but it's not pointing to Israel. It's pointing to Jesus. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense with my God. And now the Lord says, you formed me from the womb to be my servant, to bring Jacob back to him and that Israel might be gathered to him for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord and my God has become my strength. He said, it's too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. That's what Jesus came to do. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and His Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers, kings shall see and rise, princes they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. Thus says the Lord, in a time of favor, I have answered you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land, to portion the desolate heritage. Heritages, saying to the prisoners, come out to those who are in darkness, appear. They shall feed along the ways. All On all bare heights shall be their pasture. They shall not hunger or thirst, neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them. For, the, for he who has pity on them will lead them and by springs of water will guide them. Jesus, it's just the, the good shepherd. <laughs> Psalm 23, right there. And I will make all my mountains a road and my highway shall be raised up. Behold, those shall come from afar and behold, these from the north and from the west and these from the land of Sayin. And then verse 13, sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted His people and He will have compassion on His afflicted. That's the second song and contains three main points. First, the servant come, came as described. We see that in Isaiah also, and accomplished his mission with great difficulty because he was rejected by Israel. We see the rejection in Isaiah, 
49 verse 1 to 4. Secondly, because of his rejection, the servant will now become a light for the Gentiles as well. It's not just for the Jews. He's already prophesying it 700 years before Jesus came, that it was going to be rejected by the Jews, but he's also gonna come for the Gentiles, for you and for me. Thirdly, all Israel will ultimately come to a saving knowledge of his servant. And we see some of this in Zechariah as well. And then the final gathering and restoration of Israel will take place. The third song that we see, the third song, servant passage, is found on Isaiah 50, verse four to nine. This is a third passage. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know him to sustain with the word him who is weary Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and I, will not, uh, I, will, I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike Jesus dying and, not, and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. It's all happened to Jesus. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Third song deals with the suffering of the servant just short of his coming death. And the fourth song is the one that we just looked at in Isaiah 52 and 53, because it deals with two things, the reason for the suffering of the servant, and secondly, the death of the servant. G. Campbell Morgan wrote this about this portion of scripture. He says, once said that when it comes to this portion of scripture, referring specifically to Isaiah 52 and 53. Any analysis almost seems irreverent. So I wanna say to you, even what I'm saying this morning is just some of, and I do it with inadequacy and a little bit of hesitation because I don't do it justice of what Jesus really, really went through. Isaiah 53 is exalted by many and ignored by many others. Believers in Messiah revel in this great section of Isaiah. Jews who reject Jesus refuse to even read Isaiah 53 in the, synagogue, in the synagogues. In fact, Isaiah 53 has been called the torture chamber of the rabbis. And yet it is most fascinating that it was the view of the ancient rabbis that Isaiah 53 had reference to the Messiah. Though, of course, the ancient rabbis did not refer to this as the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the view of the Jews, or many of the Jews, paraphrase even in, in the Targum, in, 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 in chapter 52, in verse 13, the Targum would read like this, Behold my servant, the Messiah. Some of the guys would actually put it in there, in the portion of Scripture that we would read. My servant, the called out one, the Messiah. Behold him. So let's look at some of these things. Isaiah 52, verse 13 to 15. And I told you guys, behold the man. And this is really 
God describing, beholding the man. There's a painting that was done of Jesus by Pontius Pilate. Can we get that painting up? This is done by a guy called uh, Caravaggio. This is called Behold the Man, or in Latin, Eke Homo. Eke Homo. This is the Eke Homo. When God, Isaiah 52, verse 13 to 15, is the Eke Homo of God, showing us the man, Christ Jesus. Showing us the Messiah. He's giving us a picture of who He is. That is Behold the Man this morning that I wanna talk about. In it, God introduced the servant. He shows us the servant and seeks to direct the attention of all men to him. It's all about Jesus. Today is all about Jesus. It's not about us. I think we're trying to exalt ourselves to a point where, well, Jesus came to save me. That's great. But it is really. Even the father pointed to him 700 years before he was even born. He pointed to him in a prophetic word by Isaiah. This introductory section is really a summary of the whole prophecy and contains in brief the whole story of Jesus' suffering and the glory which should be following. The second section that, we, that you can look at is consisting of Isaiah 53 verse one to nine. And it's primarily the lament and the confession of Israel. Really when they say, when the spirit of grace and supplication shall be poured out upon them and their eyes are open to behold him who have, they have pierced, the one that they have crucified. That's the second section that we have in, today, in today's portion of Scripture. The third section that we have consists of the last three verses, and that's Isaiah 53, verse 10 to 12. It says, forth the blessed fruit of the suffering Messiah. What's gonna happen? Because I think we can look at the story and we can say, what a dreary, what a, what a tragic story that Jesus was pierced. But there is something I wanna tell you. Can we get that portion of Scripture up? Isaiah 53, verse 10 to 12, the last bit, just the last three verses. Let's look at that. This is the fruit of His labor, the fruit of His death we see there. Isaiah 53. I can get it here. I have it here. There we go. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. And he has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for sin. That's what he's doing. He came to make an offering for sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death. But... But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. That is the offering of sin. You and I deserve death. You and I needed to die. But Jesus became that sin offering. And he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11. You can click on. Next one. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. Many will come to find righteousness in Jesus Christ. 
and he shall bear their iniquities. He will take their sin upon himself. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many and he shall divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and make intercession. That's, we know 40 days from now, Jesus would ascend and he says to his disciples, it's better for you that I leave because I'm gonna make intercession for you. I'm preparing a place for the Father, but I'm sending you the helper. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. Jesus is praying for us. This prophecy that we see in Isaiah 52 and 53 really begins and ends with a description of the exaltation and the glory of the righteous servant. Can you see that? It starts with it and it ends with that. It's all about his glory. But in between the mountaintops of glory lies the deep valleys of shame and suffering for us. Remember that Isaiah wrote this majestic prophecy 700 years before Christ and that his primary audience was Jewish people, not Gentiles. Keep this in mind when you do read this prophecy. It was once said that Isaiah 53 is also the middle chapter in part two of the book. They, they say that Isaiah is like a mini Bible, 66 chapters. So it's right here in the middle and I wanna say this to you, that most of the approximate 80 references to Isaiah in the New Testament comes from this chapter. <laughs> so 80 of the references that we see in the New Testament comes from this chapter alone, pointing to Jesus. Isaiah 53 has been called the great Calvary chapel, a chapter, chapel, chapter. <laughs> Calvary Chapel is a church. Calvary chapter. <laughs> what we have here is the very heart of the book of Isaiah. Jesus saves in the person, or God saves in the person of Jesus Christ. That's what we see. Vernon McGee wrote, he says, this is like a photograph of the cross that we see. We see it in Isaiah 53, but we also see it in Psalm 22, like I mentioned, the crucifixion of Jesus. Like we never see it really. We don't see it uh, properly in, in the Gospels even sometimes. We see it, yeah. Augustine said of this chapter, he says, it is not a prophecy, it is a gospel. <laughs> Polycarp said this, he says, the golden passional of the Old Testament, showing Jesus. Martin Luther said this, he said of Isaiah 52 and 53, every Christian ought to be able to repeat it by heart. <laughs> Can, I can't even remember two, two verses, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> and the rest is just easy for me. A German scholar runs right, he says, it looks as if it had been written beneath the cross of Golgotha, meaning an Israelite, has had it melt the crust of his heart. This chapter is the most central and deepest and the loftiest thing that Old Testament prophecy outstripping itself has ever achieved. He's saying it's like somebody stood by the cross and wrote this chapter 700 years before Jesus was crucified. David Guzik wrote this. He says, many people are amazed 
that people, especially Jewish people, can read a chapter like this and miss Jesus. But really, it isn't surprising. When we make up our minds about who Jesus is, it's easy to become blind and deaf to the plain, simple message of the Word of God. Put away your preconceived notions and your cultural Jesus. Let the Word of God tell you who He is. Go read this portion of Scripture again. Let the Scriptures tell you who Jesus is. I want to look at the two words and then I'll end. Behold my servant. That's how it starts, Isaiah 52. Behold. This is God speaking. And God basically says, I want you to take a serious look now at my servant. Behold. When, when John said, behold the lamb. Even when Pontius Pilate said, behold the man. He's pointing to him all the time. The father is saying, look at Jesus. And whoever wrote the book of Hebrews says, you need to continue doing that. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Behold, keep on looking. Don't just stop there. Keep on looking for the day when he's going to return. The Bible ends like that. It says, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come. Behold, he's coming back. Behold the way that you saw him go. Behold the same way you'll see him come back. This is God showing his servant. This is God asking us to take a serious, deep, consecrated look at his special servant, the Savior. This is God's servant. This is God's Messiah. This is God's Savior. And God says, take some time right now and take a serious look at that what I have to say to you about him right here, right now. If a person does this, if a person honestly takes a serious look at these 15 verses or more, 18, 19 verses, there is no other conclusion that you may draw except this is an amazing prediction pertaining to Jesus Christ. My servant Insignificant, fallen men ever aims to exalt himself. But here is one who though in the form of God did not count it to be equal equality with God, something to be grasped at, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient even unto death. Yes, the death on the cross. No wonder then, that the father points with delight to him saying, behold my servant. And would have our eyes fixed on him, not only as our savior, but as our example, that we might follow in his footsteps. He doesn't just say, you know what? Jesus did it all. You know, he's your servant. But he says, guys, I want you to become servants like him. I want you to follow in his footsteps I want you to, to be like Jesus, the servant that died on the cross. I want you guys to follow in his footsteps. And that's why the Bible is so clear when it says, take up your cross daily and follow Christ. It's a daily decision for each one of us. John MacArthur sums up my servant, noting that there are four terms in the prophets where you have behold my 
or behold, referring to the Messiah. Here is behold my servant. And also in Zechariah 3.8. Zechariah 3.8. You know, O Joshua, the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for um, they are men who are assigned. Behold, I will bring my servant the branch. He's talking about Jesus. Behold, my servant. He's pointing to him again in Zechariah. In Zechariah 6 verse 12. Say, and say to him, thus says the Lord of hosts, behold the man whose name is the branch. For you shall branch out from this place and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Behold the man who is the branch. Behold Jesus. Behold the man. In Zechariah 9 verse 9, he says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. So we start with a man, a servant, a man, a king. Okay, I'm gonna tie all of these together for you right now. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Prophesying about Jesus' entrance in Jerusalem a week before, okay, the king. And then lastly, we see in Isaiah 40 verse nine, another behold in the Old Testament. Do you have it? Isaiah 40 verse nine. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news, lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up. Fear not, says the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold the man. Behold the servant. Behold the king. And behold your God. Matthew presents him as a king. Mark presents him as a servant. Luke, the doctor obviously, presents him as a man. And John presents him as a God or as God. Look at him. Look at my servant, the one whose food is to do the will of him who sent him. In John 4, 24, let's read that. John 4, 24. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. John 4, 24. He's also the one who finished the work, John 17, 4. We read that already. To glorify and finish the work. The one who said, I always do the things that, my, that pleases my father. My servant, he says, will prosper. We started off this morning with behold the man. But I want to continue this morning to say behold the servant. Behold your king. Behold your God. He is risen and he is alive forevermore.